0: All right, so we are technically in our roundtable right now, and we're going to do this as kind of a, a live guest roundtable because we are here with Anne Ranke, president of the TIA, to talk a little bit about the TIA reaction to the TQL lawsuit and what that means for the brokerage space. And thank you for being here this morning. Of course, this is a pretty hot button issue right now and one that could have some major implications in the brokerage space. What are your first thoughts now seeing this ruling come down not on the favor of TQL?
1: Sure. So so first of all, let's talk about um, TQL's decision and the, and the judge's case. So the judge's uh, verdict obviously affects 4,500 employees of TQL who – in 2008, um, filed a grievance, in two, 2010, filed the case. So, this is a long standing case. And the two classes that were certified were sort of your juniors, inside sales managers, and then your inside sales managers. They call them a technical term, which we don't have to worry about. So, so what our perspective is is obviously this is wide ranging, and that TQL sort of fought this case thinking that they um were fo- following the law as it relates to exempt versus non-exempt employees their perspective was that their trainees which they called the inside sales the junior sales managers and the other inside sales managers had administrative duties and had independent discretion now the judge thought differently. So as it relates to TIA, obviously we want to monitor what happens in this case, but we, you know, we defer to TQL if they believe that they were following the law, then we want to make sure that we're, you know, we support them in that.
0: So Thomas, you've spent your time on the brokerage floor and you've been around the block and I think that this case in general brings to mind a little bit of questioning in the industry of if this kind of misclassification and almost a, a case of kind of under service to these junior level employees is something that is culturally imbibed in brokerages, or if it was a unique case to TQL. When you're looking at this from the perspective of a former broker and someone who spent that time, who did the work, who was literally down in the trenches in some spots, is that something that you're concerned about is the fact that this is maybe an underlying kind of culture shift that needs to happen, or this is just kind of a one-off case that happened to be with TQL, that largest brokerage?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the business model itself is inherent upon. You have to train these reps. A lot of times these training can be administrative as well as sales. You have to get them to be able to do both. And depending upon if it's a Chicago split or if it's a cradle to grave, I think this opportunity, while we see, you know, from my experience as a broker, um, we do see this type of style performed to train them. I think the biggest thing is going to be Uh, the classifications, and if you're another brokerage right now and you see this TQL ruling, you really have to get with your HR team, you really need to get with your legal team, and start asking these questions saying, what are my current job roles? What are the expectations defined? And how do I need to make sure that that is clearly articulated? Because uh, you can run afoul. It's good to always talk and have best practices, but if you're a corporation And you're a large brokerage, you also need to mind your P's and Q's. So whenever you're doing it as a business, you don't want to run afoul of the labor board uh, because at the end of the day, it is your responsibility as the company to make sure that you are doing it correctly. We saw it now with uh, nearshoring. We've seen it with hourly wage changes for some of the uh, logistics coordinators. So it has happened. It's not as if all the brokerages are suddenly going to say, I have to change this very often for many of them and from my personal experience even at arrive there were very clear defined things saying mm-hmm. you're hourly you're doing this it's time to go um you know so i would expect that there'll be some changes for brokerages who have not been paying attention but for many of your large multi-billion dollar ones or tens of hundreds of millions uh they they should have caught this by now
0: yeah and so and of course that that brings to mind is is this that true to stereotype that comes with brokerages. Obviously, we know that being in, especially a trainee in a freight broker, freight brokerage, it's not an easy job. It demands a lot of you. You have to really be willing to, again, go through that trenches before you find some success. Do you think that now this brings to mind, maybe in your mid to upper level management, where they start to worry that your junior level employees think that they don't feel valued? And does that now have to change from a top-down approach from it's the responsibility of those managers to say, hey, we see that this comes through, but we want to know that you are valued in our space, we hear you and we will do whatever it takes to make sure that you see that value if it's from a monetary standpoint or for just an employee support standpoint.
1: Oh, 100 percent. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's critical to make sure for, for your company's sake and for your employee's sake, to make sure that you are following exactly the letter of the law and that you have really good advice from both your HR and your and your lawyers. You know, TIA came out with a framework, which I think you guys talked about last week back in 2013. So three years after the case uh, actually started, where we said, here's what the law is. But you have to make sure that you have really good advice from lawyers and your HR team. And if you feel like this is a judgment call, then you better be darn sure, here, look at me cursing, uh, th- that you're doing the right thing. A- and I would also say what's different now from, say, even 15 years ago, and I'm as old as dirt, that there is really an emphasis within a company on culture and positive um, so that you don't have a toxic culture, that you have a positive culture and that everyone does feel valued. That is a generational shift. I'm Gen X. Nobody used to care what my opinion was on anything when I first started working. And nowadays we have sessions about millennials and Gen Z's about how important their feelings are. So it is a generational shift. But, yes, you absolutely need to follow the letter of the law to make sure that something like this doesn't happen. Now, again, there are some cases where there's discretion here, and so that, I think, is the big big judgment as to what's going to happen
0: next. So, Thomas, for folks who maybe find themselves in a brokerage right now where they say, hey, I don't feel valued and I'm not sure if I'm being compensated, right? What are those next steps? Do you go to your HR first? Do you just send it out there to a lawyer and file suit? Like, what, is, what does this mean? a precedent of people who are in the workspace right now?
2: It's a very tricky question because, <laughs> you, of course, traditional means get with your manager, have uh, the conversation, then you can get with HR because HR will say, did you get with your manager? And then you slowly escalate it. Uh, it good companies will take that seriously and not fire you. Uh, it, some bad companies will maybe potentially get rid of it. Then you have other you know, options as well, submitting things. But I, I think at the end of the day, uh, the model of the brokerage is such a difficult job that it can be hard. And what we often see is if these folks feel that way, they usually just, they quit, unfortunately. It's hard to get these reps to stay in. So uh, at the end of the day, I think the best advice for folks is, um, you know, these events with TQL and this labor classification is gonna bring to light for management, uh, even your frontline managers to say, how's my team doing? How are my people doing? Is this person staying longer than they should? You're supposed to be 40 hours. Your job says this. I need to take care. I've seen good managers do that. And they've developed their people the right way, but they're also our bad managers that sometimes will let things slide. Some people may change it. That's where we are going to have to really see from top down, pull out the microscope and make sure we're doing it correctly. Because we may have the policies in place, but when you're in the trenches, it gets a little blurry in the fog of war.
0: So and really quickly, just to wrap it up, Thomas makes a good point about that turnover aspect and the good versus maybe the not so great managers. Is that one way that we could see to reduce turnover is by taking a closer look at classification and making sure that... The people are doing what is expected of them and not putting more on them than they need.
1: Yeah, I think any good company worth its salt does an audit of their employees to determine exactly what kind of jobs they're doing. You know, we do it even at TIA. What's your job description and actually what is your workload? And so I think this case probably prompts us all to reconsider. Is there are we all doing what we say we're doing? Are we doing more?
0: absolutely and and thank you for joining us and thank you for the perspective on this thomas great to have you up with me on our makeshift round table as we (laughs) talked about we'll talk to you soon and and good luck at technovations this upcoming week i wish i was out there with you guys thank
1: you thank you i'll see you soon thanks so much
0: all right we're gonna go ahead and take one final break we'll be back to wrap up your show right after this